My name is Scott Chaloner and you are listening to the Leaders' Council podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. It is a warm spring day here in the capital as we record today's programme and I'm delighted to say that joining me on today's show is Peter Griffiths, the Managing Director at Advent Engineering Limited, an engineering and fabrication firm in Telford, Shropshire. Uh, Peter, very warm welcome to yourself today and by all means, thanks for joining us on the programme. Yeah, good morning to you, Scott. Yeah, good morning to yourself, uh, Peter. Certainly is a uh, lovely day for it as well. Um, now, um, I've only given a very brief overview there for um, the listeners as to what your business does, of course, engineering and fabrication. Um, but obviously, in a little bit more detail to sort of help contextualise for those tuning in, what would you say in your own words that your business really does specialise in? Uh, well, it, it is um, engineering and fabrication. That, that's my background since I became an engineer, uh, well, a fence engineer when I was 16. Uh, and the majority of my customers are locally based uh, manufacturing companies that uh, manufacture machinery that wears out, breaks, needs to be replaced. Um, uh, and, and they come in basically. Um, I've probably, as I'm only a one man business, um, I've probably only got a handful of, of customers, and that's enough to keep me busy generally. Um, and our business is, is maybe different to a lot of people's business where I act more or less as, as an agent, if you like. I have customers. I have suppliers on the other. I, I don't have a manufacturing facility myself. Mm. Uh, so customers come to me with a problem, with an inquiry, with a drawing, whatever. Uh, I translate that. I send it out to my suppliers. I get them to quote me for the work required. I then, uh, in turn, quote the customer and I get an order back from them. Yep, certainly makes sense uh, from my perspective. And um, just looking at sort of the disruption that's been caused over the last couple of years by the COVID-19 pandemic and various other sort of supply chain issues, and of course, what's going on in Eastern Europe at the moment, I can imagine for a business like yours, it has been an incredibly turbulent period, hasn't it? Uh, yeah, it's been absolutely terrible. Virtually overnight, like a lot of businesses, my order book went from being pretty reasonable to more or less zero. Um, it, it, uh, you know, everybody, everybody, uh, more or less, shut their businesses this time last year. Um, speaking personally, <laughs> on a slightly brighter note, but this time last year was the day that my grandson was born, little Archie, and his, birth, his second birthday today. So, um, Fantastic. yeah, one little bright spot in amongst all this horrible stuff. So, yeah, really everything stopped. You know, I, I rang around the customer. And they all said, oh, well, you know, we've been told we can't send any work out. Uh, only if something gets broken or it's affecting production, there's no new projects, there's, there's no nice things that we'd like to do. Uh, and basically my business went from supporting me and my family quite, well, not quite, yeah, quite nicely, really, yeah. Yeah, we didn't have any financial worries particularly. Two years ago, we, we were looking forward to changing the car, um, which, you know, needs changing. Uh, it's there, uh, I think it's, 13 or 14 years old, it's 180,000 miles. Mm. Uh, COVID not come along, we would have had a, a different car on the drive, not a brand new one, but certainly a newer one with less miles on the currently got. Um, but it happened, you know, everything had to, had to stop. Um, just, just so difficult to, to go from, you know, emails every day with inquiries to nothing for weeks and weeks and weeks. And you're ringing around your customers trying to see if there's anything there and all you're getting back is, is negatives. So then, um, really, you know, you re you're reliant on, on some help. 
Uh, and as uh, everybody is aware, that the government did um, the furlough scheme, which was, mm-hmm. was brilliant because uh, you know, so many people were put out of work through no fault of their own. COVID just came along. Uh, nothing could be done about it. It was nobody's fault. So people needed help in order to survive. But unfortunately, my guess would be a small limited company working from home. That help didn't quite reach this far. So at this point, here we are, two years in, um, and I have not had a solitary penny off the government, off local councils, off anybody to help my business survive. Now, prior to this, I'd run the business for, well, it's 20 years now, so 18 years um, prior to COVID. I paid all my taxes uh, on top of all my household bills, mortgage, all that sort of stuff. Everything was in a you know, fairly rosy position. My, my business bank account was in the, comfortably in the black. Uh, my personal bank account, that was absolutely fine. Um, and if you saw the situation now, um, through no fault of my own, like everybody else that was put on the furlough, um, I have gotten massive debt. I, I have, um, in the last fortnight, had to apply to put my company into liquidation. Uh, debts to HMRC, and I've got a debt of a bounce back loan to uh, my business bank. Um, I'm not going to just walk away from this. I will have to pay either some or all of those debts back. And that is going to be a significant amount of money for me to try and find when I'm almost 60 years of age. Um, some time back when after Boris had stood at his lectern uh, and promised the nation that don't worry, nobody will be forgotten. And, um, you know, that, that rings with me. Uh, I think about that little speech so often. They were ready and ready to send off to Mr. Sunak so he could help my business out like he'd helped so many other businesses out. But to no avail. So I got in touch with my local MP, Lucy Allen. Uh, and to, to be fair to Lucy, I took a while to actually get to speak to her in the first place. Uh, but to be fair to Lucy, she did her very best field to try to get my business some help. Um, she uh, spoke, she's apparently a personal she's doing that, uh, and spoke to Richie about me, about my particular position over breakfast one morning at number 11 Downing Street. Uh, I was quite impressed by the fact that my plight was being discussed with the Chancellor Exchequer. However, it fell on, on deaf ears, apparently, uh, because nothing changed. Uh, Lucy then went on, I think, to speak to Sir John Thompson, who is the head of the HMRC, uh, with my plight. Um, her, her view was, I've got emails from her to back this position up, but she said uh, that basically my, my position was fairly unique in that uh, I'd had no help, in that uh, I had to uh, delay paying my taxes in order to be able to pay my more food in the fridge. Um, the, the fact that I'm almost 60 years of age, so I've got very little time working life left in order to, to pay these debts. The, this guy, you know, it, um, in, in fact, at one point, he'd been badly advised to become a limited company uh, five or six years ago, and I've been trading more or less as a sole trader, and I should be the same. Had I been treated as a sole trader, I would have received in excess of £40,000 off the government to help my business survive. Mm. But as it is, apparently... Uh, although the government quite often describes small businesses as the backbone of the country, uh, we're, we're not worth protecting. We're not worth helping to survive. So that has left me uh, not only with massive debt, but 
with mental health problems. I've gone through a, a course of uh, mental health therapy. I'm on uh, tablets to try and uh, take the sting out of the day, if you like, take the, the sharp edge off it. Um, and despite all the promises and all the offer of help from my local MP, nothing has come to um, uh, and, and the only uh, avenue I've got left now is to have the company uh, put into liquidation and suffer the consequences of that. And that could very, very well mean that I have to buy home. It's staggering, isn't it? That given that you've fallen <laughs> through the it. gaps in support, that the, the consequences well, that has. I've fallen through the gaps in support when my MP has brought his attention of all the people who should have helped me out. But not one of them has thought that actually, yeah, you know, this guy, we need to give him a break. Not one of them. And it's almost, you could say that that is a failure of leadership on the government's part, isn't it? Absolutely. <laughs> Obviously, you don't want to get me started. I have got some figures written down here. Uh, they just beg a belief, I've got to be honest, uh, of what uh, Boris has done to, um, to the country. Uh, let me just cite the £37 billion that was spent on a track and trace system. But Boris, again, stood at his lectern there and said, we'll be a world-beating track and trace system. It cost the British public £37 billion, which just for information is £569,230 for every man, woman and child in the country. And it's gone nowhere. It didn't work. It's cost us that money. Now, for me, um, if during the pandemic I'd gone down to my local supermarket and bought a £37 billion track and trace system and got it over to find it didn't work, I'd take it back and expect a full refund. I'd like to know where, our, where the taxpayers' £37 billion has gone and why nothing is being done to get it back to help us out of this awful situation that the whole country has plunged into now. On top of that, if you add on Boris's £100 billion railway, HS2, which I'm yet to speak to anybody that thinks this is a good idea, well, there's another £100 billion, which equates to £1,538,461 for every man, woman and child in the country. Uh, and if you add the two figures together, that's over £2 million for every man, woman and child in the country and yet they can't give me 40 grand to help me out and then when you look at the money that's been lost to covid bounce back loan fraud on top of that it doesn't make that picture any rosier does it no so you know i i, I do wonder what the government's priorities are really here you know they, they talk about um leveling up they talk about a northern powerhouse nothing ever changes. All the money goes to London. All the money, you know, I don't know, politicians these days, for me, as I say, I'm nearly 60 years of age. When I sort of first became aware of what and politics and government and stuff, there were people like Ted Heath and Harold Wilson were in power. And back then, I think people went into politics to do the best for, for, their, for their constituents and for their I think that has changed beyond recognition now. People don't have those feelings anymore. People go into politics uh, for themselves financially, I feel. I might be off beam here, but you know, if you, if you look at the evidence, if you look at previous leaders of the country and what they've gone on to earn, 
purely for the, for the fact that they were the leader of the country or leader of the party. It, it, you know, <laughs> well, we've got to look at um, the last uh, Labour leader, Tony Blair. He's gone on to make millions and millions of pounds giving talks and stuff around the world. Um, and then we've, we've got uh, Mr. Cameron. Now, what was it, what was it he earned? Was it seven million quid for two and a half years part-time work for somebody? Can't I have a bit of that? Can't I do a bit of part-time work for somebody and help me out of this? Oh, but no, it, it's all sort of ring-fenced for, for the privileged few that, uh, that, that, that work in Westminster. This, there are so many um, discrepancies, really, between what they say and what they actually do. Now, I'm, I'm bleating on here about my case here mm. and, and the billions of pounds that the government seems free to spend whatever they like, giving money to the mates for the track and trace system that's never worked. You know, how much of that has been put away for, for, for Boris, I wonder, to walk into when he retires uh, out of politics? Um, but it isn't just me, is it? It's people on benefits. It's, 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 it's people with health problems that are really are struggling to survive day in, day out. Not getting, not getting any extra help. Um, but I, I, keep, I, I will keep going back to this. But the government thinks it's all right to spend billions and billions of, of pounds of our money, not the government's money, it's our money, on projects that are either come to nothing or nobody really needs. I, 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 I wish that somebody in the Conservative Party could stand up and tell me how this is, this is all a good idea, because from where I'm standing, it's a load of rubbish. Obviously, just from your perspective, uh, Peter, I'd be interested to understand, if you could actually be in power for a day, if you could be the Prime Minister, like what are the first things that you would do, in, from your perspective? Well, I'd cancel uh, HS2 immediately. Uh, and and I'd, I'd find out about the 37 billion where that's gone, and put that back into the um, into the country's coffers, so that we can help people this really really difficult time. You know, everything everything we all know is going up in price. But if you're on a reasonable salary, mm. that doesn't matter too much. You can cope, all right. It's a bit inconvenient that perhaps you can't afford quite such a nice holiday next year, or maybe like me, you or change your car, but you can still pay your gas bill, and your electric bill, and and, and go to the supermarket, put food in the fridge. Not everybody's in that position. The government keep bleating on the can't afford this, we can't afford that, we can't afford the next thing. But if they were just throwing our money away on pointless projects, then maybe they could. Maybe they could afford to do some stuff. I mean, when lockdown happened, they gave the supermarkets billions of pounds. Why on earth would they do that when it was the only shop any of us could go to? Surely that money should have been given to the other shopkeepers that had to close mm. through no fault of their own, or small businesses that had no, no work to do through no fault of their own. But no, 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 we have, we have to continue with these schemes that Boris has dreamt up and we've got to make him into a hero. He thinks he's blooming Winston Churchill. Well, he, honestly, he needs to have a look at his history books. He's a million, million miles away from that. This Churchill did some good for the country. Boris is just taking us down the bankruptcy route. I think we're going to be a third world nation if he's allowed to continue for much longer. And you can't obviously shy away from the fact that we're in an inflation crisis at the moment. We're in a cost of living crisis and that's only going to make that situation um, very much worse, of course. Well, um, it is. Well, yeah. it's been brought along by Boris and he's been red-bust with a lion painted on the side. 
we'll be better off if we if we leave the EU. Well, look at us. Does the country look like it's better off? But Boris, our leader, is the man that thought this was a good idea. Mm. A lot's happened, of course, since then. Was it £95 million a week that we were supposed to be able to, to give the NHS all on the side of his bus? Well, couldn't the NHS do with that now? And where is it? Where is the £95 million a week he's going to give to the NHS? I think that was debunked quite yeah. soon after the referendum, wasn't it, that one? I beg your pardon? I think that, I think that was debunked quite soon after the referendum, wasn't it, the, uh, the whole... Well, it uh, was, but you know, it's... it's Yet another lie that our leader has told. I mean, let's not get on to because after our podcast, we'll be nowhere near long enough to discuss that one, will it? You know, I am mm. absolutely disgusted in the leadership of this country. We've had, uh, I'm traditionally a Conservative voter, but it, it, won't, it won't happen again. It will not happen again. Uh, we've had Conservative Party lead the country for far too long, and the balance has gone way too much to the right. We need a Labour Party to bring things back more to the because. The rich are getting richer and the poor are getting poorer. And it is, it, you know, we're the fifth richest country. Uh, and, and yet we've, we've got people on the streets, we've got uh, people with health problems that are not getting sufficient benefits that they can survive. It, it's just a national disgrace what is going on. And yet, instead of chasing the likes of Costa Coffee and, and Co, that pay next to nothing in taxes in the UK, they will chase after me. And they will chase after small companies who can't afford to defend themselves and just have to buckle under the strain and pay back tens of thousands of pounds that they don't have. It's incredible, isn't it, the situation that we're in? And dare I say it, we are actually recording this podcast on the 23rd of March, 2022. So this is the day of the Chancellor of the Exchequer's spring statement. So dare I actually ask Peter, like, what you would like to see from that statement, albeit, of course, it might not be quite as you'd hope. Oh, well, some truth from the government would, would be refreshing, wouldn't it? Um, there's talk she's going to knock five pence off a litre of fuel. Well, by this time next week, it'll have gone up five pence. The government, I think, 50% uh, of the total cost of a litre of fuel goes to the government in, in various taxes. So the government could do an awful lot more than knocking 5p off a litre of fuel to help uh, help the country out. Um but there's, there's so so much more that they could do. Um, you know, I'm not Rishi Sunak. I don't deal with these things. The, the, the accounting side of my business confuses me. So, uh, you know, running the country must be an absolute nightmare. But he's the man that's got the job. But he's the man with the qualifications for the job. Um, and and for me, they, they need to look. Stop looking. Every time there's some kind of a tax cut or uh, or um, uh, I don't know, it, it always seems to more benefit the wealthy than it does the poor. How can you know? There's the stories of uh, millionaires in the country getting together and writing to the prime minister, tax us more, but it doesn't happen. Now they've got a concern for people that can't afford. They have, and quite rightly, they should have. You know, they've got. Millions of pounds that that they've got tucked away in the bank or in assets or whatever, and they know that they're comfortable and they're, they know they're bulletproof. And they look down and they think, "God, those poor people down there! I could help them out with all my money." The government don't see that. For some reason they they see we've got to protect the wealthy people, in order to keep the the clever people, the people that create employment, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, in the country. But 
they're right. If they're right as the government saying this isn't fair on the, on the don't have, on the jam people um, uh, Theresa May was talking about, then why isn't the government thinking this along the same lines? Why can't they help the, the poor people out? Yeah, you, know, you know, if if that, that two million pounds that I said that he, he spent of our taxes on on stupid projects, if a poor person, I don't know, let's say five thousand pounds, they'll probably go out and buy a new fridge and maybe a new car, a microwave and a telly, and all of that will create employment in the UK. But if you give a, a, a multi-millionaire another million pounds, he'll just stick it in the bank because he doesn't need a new fridge or a new telly or a new carpet. So that doesn't stimulate the economy. Now, I'm an engineer, not a flipping politician, but I can see that. Um, we, we've got a situation on our hands at the minute where uh, you know Russia has, has invaded Ukraine, and yeah, hands are tied, really. It, it is a poorly situation that has been created by one man. Um, and there's nothing that the world can without starting World War Three. It's a terrible, terrible situation. Let's bring things a bit closer to home. We've got mass unemployment in this, well, not mass unemployment, we've got unemployment in this country, and we've got so, so many poorly paid jobs where people, the pay is so poor, people have to rely on government in order to, to make ends meet on a weekly basis. Now, for me, I'd get that 37 billion quid back from the wasted track and trace thing um, and, and address the Northern Powerhouse. Let's take that 37 billion quid, let's build and equip factories that can produce the stuff that we buy from Russia and that we buy from China, because they're getting a bit uppity as well, aren't they, let's be honest. So instead of being reliant on those countries for stuff that we absolutely 100% need in this country, like steel, like PPE equipment that we fell down on, there's a list a million miles long probably of things that we could manufacture in this country so that we're not reliant on countries that we don't really want to deal with, China and Russia, and create employment in the UK. Good, well-paid jobs for people, this, this northern powerhouse that he keeps banging on about, nothing ever happens. 37 billion quid, I'm sure, could build a lot of factories, could supply a lot of equipment and a lot of training for people to have a good job. Then those people would be paying taxes. They wouldn't be taking out of the system money to supplement their poor wages because they're working in a call centre and earning next to nothing. They would be earning a better wage because they're manufacturing stuff which is sold within the UK and probably throughout the rest of Europe. Because I dare say that if we were manufacturing that kind of stuff, people would prefer to buy it from the UK rather than Russia and China. Wouldn't that stimulate the economy? Wouldn't that bring in more revenue for the government? You know, I'm not a politician, I'm an engineer, but this just seems crystal clear to me. But we've got all these clever people in Westminster that are supposed to be looking at the future for the country, doing what's best for us, and in fa- instead, all they're doing is looking at themselves and doing what's best for themselves. The whole, the whole thing is an absolute disgrace. Staggering situation, isn't it? And like we don't hold our breath, but let us hope that one day the situation changes. I mean, that's all we can do. But I mean, it's difficult to kind of see how that's possible, though, isn't it? I mean, if this obviously situation with the political elite continues to persist, as you talked about. Well, yeah, I'm sorry, I don't have an answer to that question. But other than, you know, next election, we we, we need to get rid of them. Um, 
But, you know, again, uh, if I go back to when I was younger, uh, people had a, a career before they went into politics. They worked in the real world, um, and whether they did well or badly or whatever, but whatever made them think, you know what, I, I need to go into politics and, and do something about this situation. I can help. I can bring this, I can bring things to light, you know, I can, I can uh, whatever. But people now uh, go to university, do uh, a degree in politics, go into politics, they're earning mostly 80 odd thousand pounds a year, so they don't know what it's like to think, I, 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 I pay the mortgage this month or pay the rent or they haven't got a clue what it's like to live in the real world because they've just lived in, in this costed little political environment well we see some of the shenanigans that go on haven't we you know uh, over the, the lockdown period where the country's been told to do one thing but those in politics get away with doing something entirely different and we're still, still supposed to look up to them and respect them and do as we're told Something, something needs to change for the good of this country. This country, for me, is full of really good people, and we're led by a bunch of flipping idiots. What do you think, on the whole, needs to change in terms of the leadership of this country? Just before we wrap things up, Peter, what kind of leader should we have at the helm? Well, we, we, we need a, a leader that cares about his population. That's what we need. A leader that looks at things and th- sees the reality of the situation that some poor people are facing on a daily basis. I mean, I'll, I'll just come back to myself for a minute. My business has been struggling for two years now. For two years, I've not slept well. For two years, I wake up at like five o'clock in the morning and I can't get back to sleep because the first thought that comes into me is, oh my God, I'm in trouble. I'm in financial trouble. Um, and then you get, you know, you, you, you politician coming along and saying, hang on, I'm going to help you out here. I, I could quote things off emails that she sent to me, but that'll take even more time. But, you know, she told, she told, I was told not to start and pay uh, my uh, delayed taxes and my bounce back loan because she was going to deal with that situation for me. Well, okay, if she had, I'd have been a lucky man. As it is, she's failed because she's been let down by the people in her party. Now, that's over the last two years for me. And in a way, I'm quite lucky because other people have had problems that have gone on for decades that have been neglected over and over and over again by this government. People that can't afford or don't have the ability to be able to help themselves and represent themselves, that the government, because they've not got much in the way of a voice and the government doesn't listen, turns a blind eye and a deaf ear uh, and, and, and creates another tax change benefit the wealthy and not those that really need the help. We need a government in this country that sees the problems of real people. And Boris and his cronies are, are really, they don't, do they? Because if they did, they'd have done something about it by now. A stern message to all in Westminster, I think it's fair to say, on today's episode of the Leaders' Council podcast. Um, Peter, despite obviously the um, the real negativity around all of this, um, it's been incredible having you on the programme to sort of share your story and share your viewpoints on sort of where things are going. And, you know, I do, despite everything, wish you all the best moving forward with this because it's a terrible situation that you found yourself in because the government hasn't stepped up, hasn't provided that support. And I hope that somewhere along the line there will be some form of turnaround. I really, really do. 
Well, I've been hoping that for two years. Um, I, I wrote to my MP a week ago uh, telling him that the business is going into liquidation and is there anything can do? I'm still waiting for a reply. I doubt there'll be anything that can, that can happen because um, I've been speaking to him for 18 months and nothing has happened to help me. And it's not just me. There are thousands of businesses exactly. in exactly the same situation as I am. I am. Exactly. It's, it's, you're not a sole case, are you? I mean, it's like there are lots of people no. going through this. I mean, who knows how many are going through this? Well, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. But I, I was a part of, of uh, a group, an online group called The Forgotten, I think it was, uh, where yeah, it was a, um, a play on words where Boris said, don't, don't worry, nobody will be forgotten. Uh, well, we have been forgotten. Um, and many people sadly, have taken their own lives due to the stress that they've put under, uh, put under by this situation, that the government has just turned a blind eye and a deaf ear to the situation. It is an absolute disgrace. It really, really is. Boris, the government sits up and take note of this. Um, Peter, thanks again for joining us on the uh, the show today, and uh, by all means, do take care and do stay safe with all still going on, and I really, really hope that somebody tuning into this podcast really really takes heed of this message yeah thank you very much for the opportunity to let me to speak um i may have sounded like i was ranting a bit and i probably was, um and probably to no avail at the end of the day but uh, thank you for the opportunity anyway you have been listening to the leaders council podcast with your host scott challoner remember if you would like to apply to be on the program and share your story with us, you can do so via leaderscouncil.co.uk forward slash apply. Until next time, to every single one of our regular listeners, please do take care and goodbye.